You know, when you hold somebody in really high regard, uh, somebody that perhaps you've never even met, you might have read their book or listened to a talk of theirs, or perhaps you've been listening to their podcast for a while, and then you meet them in real life and they totally let you down and they're not at all what you were expecting. Now, I have to admit that I had that worry a little bit with my guest today, Nigel Marsh. I read his book I think it was back in 2010, Fat 40 and Fired. And it's, it remains to this day one of the best books I've ever read. It's proper laugh out loud. And I also saw him speak live in Sydney, which was brilliant. And I was so happy when he agreed to be a guest on my podcast and then immediately had this worry that he might turn out to be really boring or snooty or just not what I was expecting at all. But I needn't have worried. He's as funny and entertaining as I expected, if not more. And he's just a genuinely nice guy. And I really, really loved speaking to him. And I hope that you enjoy this interview as much as I did. Welcome to Your Big Career Move, where your host, Yeshim Nicholson, chats to people about their big career moves, uncovers their motivations, their fears, their successes, and everything in between. Be inspired by their stories. And if you're thinking of making your own big career move, head over to yescareercoaching.com. If you enjoy this episode, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. How did we connect? How did we connect? So, so we we first connected <laughs> in in sydney did we live together at yeah. university i'm so sorry if we've forgotten <laughs> <laughs> that would be quite awkward wouldn't it if, that's, if that was the case <laughs> no we we met but i don't expect that you'll remember this the ted talk in sydney oh wow you were there the on that, that day yes so that that the hilarious I only did that because I know a bloke called Remo who who said can you do this thing and I thought well why would I want to do that and you're not going to pay me and and, and I did it and it was an incredible it was an amazing day yeah I bet it was and yeah. I mean probably amazing because you met me is that what you yeah, meant well, that's the main takeout I thought so yeah no so I so I think you stuck around afterwards as I know you like to do at these things and I told I came over like a proper groupie <laughs> and I, I'm pretty sure I asked you to sign the book and I told you at the time which I'm sure you don't remember but my husband who I've been with for almost 20 years now in the whole time we've been together I've seen him read two books I'm not exaggerating two books and they're both yours that's really oh, well. really not you know what I read your fat 40 and fired absolutely loved it and I was like, honey, I know you're not a book reader, but you've got to read this book. It's just so brilliant. Oh. And he loved it. And actually, I saw my brother today and I said, oh, I'm interviewing this guy who's in Australia, but he's a Brit, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, yeah, didn't you give me his book? So I, I have, you know, I've basically been doing your PR single handedly for the last well, uh, 15 we years. We love you. Although I've, I've got a phrase for you that I tell yeah. my family when yeah. they say, um, uh, oh, I loved your book. I, I, I've lent it to all my friends. I go, recommend it, don't lend it. <laughs> yes, or buy them a yeah, copy. Yeah, you go, all my friends, I've lent my copy. I'm going, no! <laughs> <laughs> Please buy it. Well, you'll be pleased to know that <laughs> as we were going to have this conversation today, I was like, well, you know, I, actually, I should probably reread his book, at least one of them. And yeah. I uh, basically, I've got so many books that I was trawling through and trawling through and trawling through and I couldn't find it. Um, and so I, I bought another copy, you'll be pleased to know. 
So, you know, so my brother may have the copy that I lent him 10 years ago. Do you know anyone that's turning 60 soon? Oh, plenty of people. Yeah, I'll be. That's a great, great present idea. That is, that is the present. Yes. No, I I mean, you're selling to somebody who's already your biggest fan, so it's all good. So, (laughs) but we're here today (laughs) to talk about your career change because... Hmm. Your first book, Fat 14 Fired, is all about basically your the biggest career change of your life, I guess. So is it okay if you tell us a bit about what happened? Sure. It's actually quite good to good timing to talk to you because it's uh it's one thing to write Fat 14 Fired and go through those events. You know, and it's a good book and and I've had lots of you know nice feedback and it did change my life. But it's more interesting to say, yeah, but how are you going 20 years later? Yeah. You know, you think you're clever, mate. Uh, and, oh, gosh, I'm going to be a yoga instructor, not a corporate CEO or whatever. Well, how, well, how did that go? You know, when you go, well, well, I'm divorced, I'm on meth and I'm homeless because <laughs> it was a disaster. I really hope that's not uh, the case because this is going to be a really <laughs> rubbish interview. <laughs> don't change your career. That's what your podcast should be called. Don't change your career. Don't, don't go there. <laughs> so... I mean, I, I mean, I suppose I should ask, uh, I should answer the question for people who haven't got a clue who I am, is I had a classic corporate career until I was 40, um, was sent by a, uh, a multinational around the world for me to Australia, where I'd never been to um, run a couple of companies. And, you know, long story short, after nine months, they closed the firm. And so I was 40. I happened to be an alcoholic. I was grossly overweight. I had four kids under the age of six, a wife that wasn't working, no friends or family in the country. You know, I thought my life was over um, and I made the decision, which is a bit of a strange one. And I'm not, you know, this is not advice for anybody um, it is I made the decision. Well, do you know what? I'm going to change the rules because I've, I've played fair up until now. And, you know, corporate hamster, and that's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with being a corporate hamster. I, 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 you know, working hard. But where it led me was to be flipped on the scrap heap. Yeah. And you go, well, blimey. So all the advice was to get back on the bus um, you know, just scrabble around terrified because I've got a mortgage and school fees and get back on the corporate wheel. And and I made the rather strange decision, as detailed in Fat 40 and 5, to go, do you know what? You can all get nicked. Um, I am not going to do that. Now, I, I mean, you're just could... reminding me of the, the conversation that you had with, I guess he was your boss, the guy in the US, when you went to see him, when he basically told you that your job didn't exist anymore. I mean, your book yeah. is laugh out loud. I, I don't, I, <laughs> I read a lot of books and I don't laugh out loud to many, but yours is definitely one of them. And honestly, that scene, the way you describe that scene is just absolutely hilarious that he, he <laughs> won't even address the issue at hand for the first I don't know what was it 45 minutes he just talks about the weather and, and all sorts. And he of asked me if Sydney still had that harbour <laughs> that was it I mean yeah. like how much of your book is made up and how much of it is <laughs> god honest truth <laughs> well well so I, I think genuinely it is 100 percent True, or all of them. I mean, I mean, I I change names to protect everyone apart from oh. me. I mean, I, I'm the goose in all my books. So I take the piss out of me. Um, but as my dear old departed mum uh, would say, I love polishing a story. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you a story that happened to me literally two days ago? Please. So my my wife was walking with a friend, and I had to do a insurance claim. Um, we just come back from Canada, and but I know she's got a picture of her photo page of a passport on her phone 
So I just texted her saying, sweetheart, could you, you know, ping me that that photo because I need mm -hmm. it for this insurance. Anyway, and, and she, she texted it back. And then when she texted it back, I thought, oh, Christ, we're out of milk. Uh, and I know she walks past the shop on the way back. Um, mm -hmm. And you don't want to see my wife if she can't have a cup of tea. So I'll ask her to get some milk. So I, I, I texted in capitals milk and, and emoji exclamation mark. Uh, and I thought, oh, that's a bit harsh. So I put a love, <laughs> a, an emoji love heart on. Anyway, when she came in after her walk, she gave me a, a sort of a, a more than usually tactile hug and a kiss and, and said to my ear, oh, that was so sweet. And I went, oh, you know, welcome home. You've only been away for 40 minutes. Uh, and where's the milk? And she went, milk? Now, she hadn't taken her glasses. And she thought, God love her, that my response to her passport picture was for war milf. She had written... <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, so I, just my, my life is full of those sorts of stories. Now, so, so the story I've just told you is just because that happened two days ago. But if I was to write that, and some people, um, I mean, I don't mind, they just don't understand, that, that happened two days ago. Uh, now, when I write my 70 book in nine years' time, right, that story, the guts of it will be the same, is with no glasses. She's so confident of how she looks. She thinks, oh, I look at her passport photo and think for war. Um, uh, but I might make it on Wednesday, not Tuesday. I yeah. might make it that she was walking with the, the vicar, not Lisa, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. so it, it's all true. Um, but someone said to me, oh, I don't know, just, it, it wasn't, a, you weren't off for a year because you went back to work after 11 months. And I went, what, uh, 29 yeah, days. Yeah. <laughs> I went, you're radio uh, I mean I, I, and then, then someone said also it, I wasn't 40 I mean I was 39 but you know fat yeah, 39 and made redundant it doesn't doesn't ring as much as same that, ring, you know. <laughs> anyway no. so it, it's not a documentary your listeners don't want to hear my, my stupid book but, but is it, it's not I, I'm writing it to entertain and then under the radar there might be a message that you might want to check about your work-life balance or your career or your drinking or whatever else. But my main intent, you know, it's not a history lesson, is make make your flight to Melbourne or Glasgow be slightly more, slightly less boring because it's a nice book. Totally. And get your husband to read, you know. Yeah, there you go. Bonus. So so to go back to, so you've you've flown to the US, your boss is basically taken forever but eventually tells you your job doesn't exist anymore I, and actually I didn't realize that you'd only been in Australia for nine months I mean that really sucks doesn't it and you haven't really established a life there so then what happened for anybody that hasn't read your book yet well yeah I mean and, and they were to be fair to the firm that they were being you know very nice as in we were you know it's all been a massive you know we can understand it was a global merger and I was collateral damage. They didn't do it on purpose to me. And they were being nice to me in their terms, which is the, I had relocated my entire family around the world. And it was my first CEO job. This was my big corporate break. So on every level, it was a complete disaster. And they were saying, you know, we're awfully sorry. We will relocate you back to England. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, all expenses paid, blah, blah, blah. Um, but not into the job that I had, which was I was the CEO of two firms, but into a, into another job. Mm -hmm. So I took the decision, it was amazingly irresponsible on one reading of this. So there's security, but I'm still on the same hamster wheel. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. I could go back to it, London and they'll give me yeah. they'd find some job. It would be a sideways move or a downwards move or whatever. And you know, um, I decided that, again, this is not advice. I decided that I would stay at home, mm-hmm. not earn a penny and sort some shit out. And what was the main uh, reason that that you made that decision rather than get on? I think you referred to the seat on the bus quite a lot. Why? You know what was that? Uh, uh, well, in in a way that that there's been there's a there's a slight falsity in fact, forty and fired in terms of if you, if you don't know me and you, and you just pick it up and read it and like it, um, because the and and the, the the people who bought the film rights had this where, where what they wanted was ad wanker turns into shepherd, right? Yeah, yeah. It is um, you know, I studied theology at college. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd, I'd like to think I'm a nice man. I mean, you know, not Gandhi or anything, but, but I've always been thinking about what the point of life is and whatever. Um, so when the events that happened to me, like you lose your job and you're around the world, uh, I actually read a phrase in a book coming back from that a meeting with that American, which was mm-hmm. pause for a moment, you wretched weaklings, and take stock of your miserable existence, which I think is how I started the TED speech, Harry, but but, but it, it's just, you, you know... Uh, have a think, mate. Um, what the f are you doing? So I sit down, and, you know, have a think, and it was really liberating for me to turn forty, because if the events had happened to me at twenty-three, I would not have reacted how I reacted. Mm-hmm. And the advice that I give, and I'll come on to any advice if you want me to, um, to, to forty-year-olds and fifty-year-olds, and I coach a few people and whatever. Um, is different to the advice I give my 24-year-old. Sure. You go, so people, it's not like, ooh, I'm work shy or I can't go. Do you know, guys, I've put a suit on and done what you asked for 20 years, yeah. really, really, really diligently, quite successfully and hardworking, where everything else is secondary to your bloody career. And I've done that and I've paid my taxes and I've not broken the law and I'm, you know I come last right not complaining but that's I come last and I work really really hard and I'm going to be turning 40 and you've made me redundant so excuse me all over the place if I have a think about what I would like to do with my life not what you would like me to do and what I'd like to do is sit at home and have a think if you would excuse me so I, I did that. Now, Look, Nigel you still after all this time it's still like it's so emotive for you isn't it like I can see yeah. that you're almost well, <laughs> angry still after all this time yes. <laughs> well, well, well because I think what um you know we can sleepwalk to our grave and Amazing. what a shame if you do and and so yeah I mean I, I could go on for so long so so you know you've got to you've got to shepherd me but but I is what happens for many many people is one of the big four happens death disease divorce redundancy yeah. And then, you, you know, you, you must have friends who, who, who or family who, who they've been working very diligently as a whatever it is, a, a lawyer or a postman or wherever it is. And then, God forbid, they get the awful cancer diagnosis or something horrible happens to one of their loved ones. And they come in and say, Do you know, what I've decided. And, and they change their life on time and, and you go. But if that thing hadn't happened, you'd still be driving to work, crying to the law okay. firm, and you okay. do that until you're 63. And then, yeah. and then what people do, and I don't blame them, there's a, there's a core message here, right, is I don't blame them, is if you're looking 
to other people and you're self-accepted because I'm sure you give fabulous advice but if you're looking to other people who don't have it as a job like you do mm. um, they're always going to say the obvious thing because they care I mean I'd say it to my kids they're always going to every single person was saying to me oh Nigel get back on the bus and have a job you've got responsibility unless you are Elon Musk or someone they're never going to say I tell you what you should do mate you should sit at home with no income and think about your life because you, well, you say on? that but actually your wife was on your side wasn't she and she was uh, yes. one person yes. that said do you know what if this is what you want to do go for it yeah and yeah. I, I mean I have my theory about that and I you know oh, check which is but my theory is that she was like I, I'm spending all day every day with four kids under the age of six I really want him to see how painful it is and how much easier it is to go into the office <laughs> that's the only reason she said yes that's my theory anyway and I'll stick I, with it hey I, I think that I think that probably stands up that stands up and mm. so was your wife the only person that said yeah I think this is a good idea do it yeah, uh, yes. And and um, not not to be defensive or unfair to her, um, she wasn't dancing in the street about it. Um, I mean, I, I, I mean, I can be quite a determined chap. Mm-hmm. So she might have read the tea leaves in that I'm deciding I'm going to do this. Now, if she said, um, I hate your guts, if you do that, I'll never speak to you again. Well, then I probably wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. But so she, she sort of she didn't stand in my way. Yeah. Um, which is amazing support because mm-hmm. many, 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 many people in that situation would say, what, are you mad? How are we going to afford this? And what do you mean we're going to have to sell the car and move home? And <laughs> so, it, it, and, and I, I had a, uh, uh, it was, I was launching Fat 45 in America, an American, American journalist, um, it was in Detroit, said to me, well, it was all right for you. You clearly had enough money where you could live for a year without earning. I went, yes. He went, well, so it was what went, <laughs> yes. Oh, sorry, you think it's a self-help book and I'm advising other people to do Yeah, it's like, it's like people, it's, it, it's a comedy about my life, that is true. And I was lucky, although to some people, they go utterly irresponsible because you spend every penny you've got and mm. blah, 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 mm. but, you know, but that I could exist without, you know, earning money yeah. for that year now yeah. the vast majority of people couldn't then i therefore i'd say well then don't yeah and it's not Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it wasn't it's not it, it's not what to do when you're 40 from nigel marsh it's what i did when yeah. i was 40 and yeah. i'm not going to apologize for the fact that i you know worked very 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 hard for 25 years and then lost my job and decided to take a year off and give up drink and so how clear was your plan when you decided to take your year off? Like, did you know exactly oh. what you were going to do in that year? And what would no, happen no, no, at no. the end of the year? No, 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 no. C- completely an utter, a train crash. Totally unclear. Clear as mud. And uh, the book I've just written, uh, Smart, Stupid and 60, um, it, which, which is just very nice to talk to you, you having been at the TED speech, because it is that bloke, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years later, and here I am. You know, so, or 20 years since Fat 45 and... Yeah. Is it 20? I don't know. It's a long time ago since the dead speech. Um, so the 60 thing, uh, I'm I'm writing about people's third trimester. Mm-hmm. So people, you know, I, I think your life stage is important. You know, so when, when you turn 60, I think you're lucky. If you go, well, how are you going to spend them? You may have to yeah. think about how you're going to spend your life. Um, so my, my plan 
now, and I've got a very, very unusual career, is clear. My plan then, totally unclear, and I just lived it for 20 years. So how did so, that feel? Yeah, because if you've had this really predictable career where, you know, the ladder that you're on is like kind of an obvious ladder and you could probably say in five years time, oh, I want to be in this position, et cetera, et cetera. When you're suddenly faced with a blank page where literally anything could happen, how did that feel? Well, so for me, and this is not for everyone, it, it felt fantastic. If you look at my life up until this decision, the Fat 14 Fire decision, uh, I, I had worked hard at a corporate career, which was great. Uh, since then, I have set up a annual nude ocean swim that thousands of people do every year and gets worldwide attention. I've, yeah. I've written four books. Uh, I've set up a thing called Earth Hour. I don't know if you, you listeners have heard that. People turn the lights out for an hour. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I do a podcast that I'm incredibly passionate about where I interview mm -hmm. prime ministers, Oscar winners, Olympic champions. So it's and ordinary people. Yeah, and lots and lots of ordinary people. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, I could go on. I've established a coaching business, run a small consultancy. I've gone in and out and done different jobs. So life has been... Uh, well, just thrilling mm -hmm. but for me there are some people who like the predictability and consistency of I, I don't know I work at IBM for 40 years and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it and, and there's something a, a key point and I I get hired to do speeches another thing I've got a speaking career I travel on the new um where I really don't like it when people foist their solution on other people mm. and, and if, if I maybe give you an analogy is I, I see mums doing this which is awful you go well I've decided I'm going to be a corporate mum so I'm going to look down my nose at non-corporate mums or yeah. I've decided to have a nanny so I'm going to look down you know you go how about just decide what you want to do and shut okay. the don't worry about anyone else and get on with it and have a smile on your face and be nice to people yeah. now then if you meet someone who says oh I like what you do and I would like to do it. Have you got any loving advice? You go, oh, well, I'm now that you ask, you know, I yeah. think this, this and this, but not, yeah. you know, I don't in any way uh, think it's bad for someone to have a, I mean, I, mean, I, I call it the hamster wheel because I'm, I'm joking and it's a short, you know, but for many people, the hamster wheel is fantastic. Yeah, they love works. getting on the train at Croydon and, and going into Waterloo and doing the, and if you said to them, uh, do you know, do you want to do this for the next 15 years? They go, yes, Yeah. I'd love Amazing. to. Yeah. So again, if I go back to an interview in America when I was launching the book uh, and someone was talking about if you are, if you were so Mr. Marsh, if you are uh, a car worker that's been made unemployed and uh, it's during one of the recessions in America, um, you recommend that they take a year off. I go, God, no, I, I, not no i'd recommend they got a job immediately in anything i mean how could you get no i, I wouldn't recommend that yeah. in any shape or form if the only way you could keep your kids off the streets mm -hmm. and yourself out of jail was getting a job doing anything get the job yeah. so you've got to be sensitive to which is why I'm, i don't it's very important that the book uh, i didn't mention this because the, the word is really important my, my last book is called smart stupid and 60. It's not and called 10 tips. 
well, it's because I don't want to call it 10 tips to be as clever as me. You, you go, you know, I, you sh people should be rightly cynical and take with a pinch of salt other people telling them how they should live their lives. What the hell do you know about it? What do you know about my hopes and dreams? But, and also, by the way, mate, didn't you have a successful career in advertising for 25 years? So you might have more means. I mean, I've got that much money. Mm -hmm. but, but as in, you, you know, it just, you may just, there's wonderful Australian phrase, take your hand off it a little bit. So uh, the reason it's smart, stupid is I think if you get to a certain age, I'm 60, you know, I'm a wiser bloke than I was when I was 20. Um, but that doesn't mean, just because you're old and you've got grey in your beard, doesn't mean that you got all the answers and you know, you should stay learning and stay humble. And Totally, totally. Um, can we go back to your TED Talk? Because from what I've read about you and what I've heard about you, the TED Talk was a bit of a whim, but actually changed things quite dramatically for you. It, chronologically, yeah. where does the TED Talk sit? Okay, well, that, that's, a really, that's a really, really good question because it's quite an interesting asset to have if somebody... Googles me and, and you know reads my book and then sees a TED talk. It, it all fits in quite yeah. quite nicely. There's there's yeah. a there's a very if you are the Hollywood exec, you can make quite a nice line. Mm -hmm. Totally not true for for reality. It was this, yeah. So the truth, but it makes less of an interesting book. But but for your you know just asking any question and I'll answer it honestly. Is I went back three times to the corporate Hamster world. So. When I sat at home for a year not earning any money, that, that's not a sustainable strategy. Mm. And no one's going to pay me to go to the beach and, and sketch. Mm -hmm. So and I've got four kids and how are we going to sort it out? And you go, well, the only thing, you know, I'm going to I have to go back and be a corporate hamster, but I'll be a different man. And it was even worse after I went back. Oh, really? In what way? Even, well, 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 because you sort of have a different mindset. You've been enlightened, but you go, I don't want to you know put my wife and my kids a second and a little bit but, but I am in this job and I can't say well I'm going at three o'clock to pick the kids up because yeah. they'll rightly fire me you know so it was it was agony because I've made, made a life decision so, so I went back mm -hmm. and then I left again and wrote another book and then I went back and left again and wrote the book and then I went back and left again and wrote another book right so I was in um when I gave the TED speech I was in and it was actually quite a you know, big in my little world, quite quite a big job, knowing that I was going to jump off again. And the part of the reason why Fat 40 and 5 was a, such a success and why the TED, and TED's been seen by, I think, 7 million people now. That's, that's um, it's yeah, huge. Still, Isn't it the most watched yeah. talk outside of the US or something? Yeah. I think I read the other day. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, that, that's, that's, you know, I had no idea that would happen. Um and part of the reason why I think it's it been so successful is because I was talking about myself. Mm. You know, I couldn't, I mean, that was me on stage knowing that I'm about to, you know, do what I was saying. But, yes, but for true. myself. I think absolutely that. But in my humble opinion, also the fact that it's, I mean, it's a very genuine talk. It's, mm. It comes across as extremely authentic. And there's so much humour in it, which people, we, lo we all lo love to laugh, don't we? And I think also the fact that you're talking about something that people are just genuinely really interested in. You know, how the hell do I manage this whole work-life thing? Yeah. And, um, and I think it's something that, uh, you know, it's hard to know where to draw the line. But 
I don't know if you if you hike, but there's you know receding horizons. So if you're if you're walking the coast to coast trek in England was brilliant, but if you're walking at the Lake District or somewhere, um, you think, oh god, I'm knackered. But the top of the hill is a hundred yards away. But when you yeah. get to the hundred yards, yeah, it's not. It's not. <laughs> yes, it is what can happen, and for all very well intentioned reasons, is there's never a finish line. Mm-hmm. So the really, really, really loving, good advice that that parents or grandparents or whatever can give you is, oh, yes, but not now. Don't, you know, not not now, Jane, not now, Fred. You know, yeah. you just ju- you just need to get and, and they, they, they set a bunch of things that you need to do before you can take your life and your soul and your spirit seriously. Yeah. Okay? And, and, and uh, you know, I did my kids, you just finished school and just finished university and just yeah. get yourself a career and just do it. Yeah. And, and you keep on doing that. Yeah. But then when you get to, uh, I don't know, 40, 50, whatever, those horizons can keep on being redefined in a way that if you haven't taken personal agency, you go, hold on, I think I can spot a trend. So I'm going to be 90 and say, do you know what, I now want to do some things that I want to do. Yeah. But you're going to say, oh, well, you haven't got enough money to leave your great, great, great grandkids. Yeah. And you go, well, well, when did that become a thing? Okay. Right? So. Yeah. You, you can be there where you go, uh, so the philosophy of enoughness, now this is just not me, is it doesn't matter who you are, I can reframe your life and your career so that the only sensible thing for you to do is to work really, really hard and get another promotion. Yeah. I don't care who you are. You can say, I paid off my mortgage. I don't go, yeah, but have you got a house in the Bahamas? Oh, you haven't. Oh, well, you, you, you can't afford one. Well, I can, you know, if you worked hard and you, you go, Wow, when is it when are you allowed to do I, I call it decide, don't slide? When are you allowed to sit down and think, how do I see this panning out? All right. So I, I mean I know people who have so much money and they still think that they have to work really, really hard yeah. because they have they've got this narrative, which enough. is where now I understand a bit like becoming an alcoholic, is you cross a line, you know, the victimhood. Yeah. Now, yeah. where you go, it can be true that, oh, God, I've got to go to work to provide for everybody and everything. And that genuinely be the case. And you genuinely have done that for 20 years. And then it not be the case anymore. Totally. But you don't recognize that or change yeah. your narrative. Totally. Now, and it is the narrative. That's right. Now, for some people, which is, which is really important, is you have to look after your responsibilities and live in the real world. This is not about a bunch of people being irresponsible and letting down the people who they are responsible for. And, and you know, but there are millions of people out there who could make a choice that would make them happier and the world slightly nicer, but they are petrified to, or they're being given bad advice or not the right advice, or which I imagine where your, your wonderful work comes in, where you go, actually, you have got more options than you might think. Yeah. Now there's gonna there's gonna be consequences because if you, I don't know if you were a high flying lawyer and you've noticed that you've been divorced three times and your kids hate you and you cry driving to work but you've paid off the mortgage and you've da, 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 is you are allowed to not be the high flying lawyer anymore. Yeah. Now okay. that does mean that you're not going to be promoted in the law firm because you will have resigned from it. So if the only thing in your life is bought is you to be the most 
important and i'm picking on lawyers i shouldn't you know the important hedge fund manager or whatever it is you do marketing director well then stay doing it i don't care it's your life not mine i mean it's yeah. but so if it's what i call the philosophy of despair if it really is the case that the only way that you can provide for your loved ones is doing your job well then it's not a decision then, then carry on doing it mate I mean, I would, I wouldn't, I might ask you a couple of questions to establish whether that actually is the case. Mm-hmm. Last time I looked, you had a holiday cottage and three cars <laughs> and no mortgage. And, you know, but, but is it you have to keep up with what are you doing? You know, if you're sick, if you're sick, I'm 60, what really do you really think anyone cares that I drive a Kia Rio, not a oh, Maserati? No Thank one you. cares. And actually, the people that do care, you probably don't care about. Because <laughs> the people that care about you really probably shouldn't care what car you're driving. Couldn't care less. And, and, and I've come to the difference, maybe, between 40-year-old Nigel and 60-year-old is, and I'm very happy for my next-door neighbour to drive a Maserati. If that, actually, if that makes you happy, knock yourself out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's great. That's great. Live and let live. Yeah. No, I think that's really good advice. So actually, on that... It's a sliding door question. So if you hadn't been fired, made redundant, Mm. whatever you want to call it, at the age of 39 stroke 40, how do you think your life would look right now? Do you ever stop to think about that? Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's a really uh, sort of sad, unpleasant version. I mean, I don't know, because, I mean, what, what an interesting question. I like to think that I would have come to a realization anyway. Mm-hmm. But I think I am deluding myself. I don't think I'm that clever. I think I'm one of the people who needed one of the big four to happen to them to make the decision. And and that's scary. That is scary. So, you know, I've got a friend recently who, whose boss has been so horrible to her, so horrible that she's taken a decision to leave. One of us. I'm going to give it. It's really good that he's being horrible to you. Because if he was slightly nicer, mm-hmm. you would stay in that job for maybe the next 20 years. Yeah. It's really, really good that he's totally contemptuous and dismissive of you because you think, well, screw this, I'm leaving. Great. So my career paid for, you know, looked after my loved ones and it was my career. And I mean, I've hated it in, in, in many ways because I just thought it's a bit, a bit pointless, but, but I still did it. And if... The terrifying thing to me is if they hadn't closed the firm worldwide, I could be, I don't know, talking to you now, I'd be four stone heavier. You know, well, it's it's eight o'clock, so I probably wouldn't have had a drink yet, but I'd be looking forward to my lunchtime beer and I'll be, you know, telling you about, oh, gosh, I just renovated the kitchen. I I, I can see my life. And I don't want to be drunk because for many, many, many people, it's a great career and that's fantastic. But for me, I, I wouldn't have found a place of where I could live it sounds so pretentious, but where I could live my authenticity. I don't think so that I, sounds pretentious I, at all. I think that sounds bloody awesome. So I like to delude myself that I would have come to it. But, but, but I, went, I, I went back. I, I went back and, because you've got to deal with the realities of life. Yeah. You know, and, and some people, you know, I've got four kids. You know, if I didn't have four kids and I lived in, you know, and I was brought up in a rural area um, where houses were cheap and I was a 
I don't know, aromatherapist who, who had a little income that came in, well, then I wouldn't have to keep on going back. But but I bloody well lived in the middle of Sydney and I had four kids who were in school. And yeah, so I, I, I think that the, the or a bit like that lady whose boss is horrible to her, I think me being made redundant was the best thing that ever happened. Yeah. And I think you're right. You know, oftentimes we get pushed into these situations and it feels like the worst thing in the world at the time. And then it ends up being a complete blessing in disguise. I mean, it's so cliched, isn't it? But it's so true. Have you been in touch with the guy that fired you way back when? Have you been in touch with him since you've been doing what you're doing now? And has he had an opinion on what you're doing? No, he wouldn't know me from a... So the guy, the, you know, the global bloke, if you're living in America and you've bought it was a holding company buying a holding company. Okay. You, so you, go, you don't yeah. think he's read your book and gone, bastard? <laughs> no, no. But but although, the, the, I mean, this is sort of, uh, I, mean, I don't know if this is interesting or anything else, but the, if you go down lots of levels, so I, I used to work in advertising and run advertising. Levels. If you go down lots of levels to, to the brand that I was in, mm-hmm. the reason I lost my job was one brand called Leo Burnett took over another brand called Darcy. Um, but the job I went back to a year later was to run Leah Burnett. Yeah. They called me up and said, I think you're the bloke to run. I go, it's me. I'm the guy you've got. The one job you haven't got, you don't need two CEOs mm-hmm. running. You can have two, lots of other things, but you can't have two CEOs. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, so, so if you go down some levels, there are lots and lots of people. I mean, and, and Australia is a small country right. and a small industry. So, yeah, there's lots and lots of people at a different level who know my story. And, and you know, some people, I don't know, they're envious. Some people think I'm an idiot. And most people don't care, I'm sure. Can you talk to us about the tipping point? Because you said, you, obviously, you took the year off, dabbled. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm going to say, read the book. It's bloody brilliant. Um so you did all these different things. You did your TED talk. You've gone back into corporate. Where was the tipping point from going back into a corporate role to what you're doing now? Okay. So with with apologies to Malcolm Gladwell, that that there have been been a succession of them. So yeah, we're all on a journey. Uh is the fact that events were incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Um so I took that decision. But actually the speech that you were at, the TED speech, where you go, so that, God, so this, this is, I, you and I should work together, where th- there's a model where corporate warrior is one model. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. Did that. And then Fat 14 Fire happened. Now, I didn't have a plan, by the way. I then, looking back, know that I moved into a uh, 10, 15-year era where my model was in and out i'll spend all the money i have put us into debt doing the things that i love Mm -hmm. and then have to beg for a job to pay for things so in out in out and sorry to interrupt you but was there ever a fear that actually going back in wouldn't be an option that people would just be like he's the in and out guy not interested yeah (laughs) absolutely i mean and I, and I would never have i would never have sold it like that i'm just telling you that's how it was yeah. so I, I, my employability you know increase it goes goes down and down and down anyway, but so a, a period of year off you know year off is the wrong phrase but you know what i mean it, you, yeah. you know 
write books, set up naked swims, learn to draw, whoa, you know, lose weight, have some fun. Um, and then oh, got to go back and run an advertising agency, whatever it is. Uh, and, and no guarantee. And this wasn't a, oh, I've planned to do this for 15 years. It was mm-hmm. what looking back I was doing. Yeah. It, it wasn't sustainable doing what I was doing. And then I would run. Uh, and then around the time of the TED speech, where I had gone back in for the third time or whatever to to do a big proper corporate job I'm thinking how about I actually solve it in a way that's sustainable mm-hmm. yeah now now and what did that look like well it looks like what I'm now doing right okay now but in life uh just because you want something doesn't mean you can have it I ideally would like to look like Cary Grant and it, and it ain't it's never going to happen right so it, it, you know, ooh, m- m- my desire is uh, you can write this down, listeners, is to be paid a fortune to work part time doing things I love. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's my that's my credo. Um, and we'd need to chat about the being paid a fortune thing, because, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I, you can't you can't make people buy your book. You can't make people sponsor your podcast. You can't make people hire you for speeches. You, you, you just got to, you know, try hard. But that's what I would like to do mm-hmm. is uh, authentically work hard. It's not about not working hard. It's, work, it's having the pressure and the stress that you choose to have. So yeah. just pretend, um, you, you know, we, I've asked Barack Obama on my podcast I've, I've had the polite no but just pretend it was yes but you're going to have to get to Hawaii tomorrow well I wouldn't be talking to you now I'd be swimming to Hawaii to, to do it right but I wouldn't be thinking oh god I hate my life I've had to cancel oh, all my right. interviews and you know I go well this is what I do I love it and blah 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 so my and, and this is again not an answer for anyone else but is I had now have a passionate dedication to short-term goals so whatever I'm doing and it could be talking to you Right. I'm, I'm trying to be authentic as I can chatting to you. And then when this ends, I'll go off and do the next thing I'm doing, which is research my next guest. That's what mm-hmm. I'm going to do. Right? And it's not have a big master plan about I want to be the global CEO of Arthur Anderson, you know, in 10 years time. I don't know what I'm going to be doing next year or next month, but I know I've, I've got a few fingers in a few pies. Mm-hmm. I do a few things and I'll do them all lovingly uh, to my best of my ability. And, and what will be will be. And it's not a, and I can do this, and then when everything goes wrong, I'll then go back and I'll work for the blood bank. Um, it, it's I'm I'm intending, if I can achieve it, to carry on doing what I'm doing forever. Yeah. You know, so on my podcast, I mean, literally my objective is to do one every two weeks mm-hmm. until I die, and then hand over to my daughter Grace. Brilliant. And, and we, is, does she know? And is she on board? <laughs> yes and yes. Excellent. Tick, tick. I won't know. When I'm in the grave, I won't know. She then says, I'll sod the, sod the podcast. <laughs> I only said yes to keep them happy. Yeah. <laughs> With your podcast, I'm curious because I really like the format of your podcast. And it's a really, it's a clever format because you ask all your guests basically the same question. You know, what's, is it, is it the favourite book or is it? So, so, so thank you for asking about the podcast. It is, uh, it's easy to misunderstand because as a shorthand, you, know, you, go, you pick your favourite film, book, song, mm-hmm. place, possession. It's not your favourite. And, right. and it's, it's absolutely, it's such a gorgeous gift in my life to do this. Where, and just pretend I'm asking you, right? Um, where you go, oh gosh, in three weeks time, I'm going to be on Nigel's podcast and I have to pick a film 
mm-hmm. a book song not not my favorite and he's going to say after I tell him what the film is but I already know because I you will told me and I've researched it mm-hmm. but he is going to say and tell me why you've chosen that on five of my life and if you say because I like it you're a moron you're right? out oh, well, <laughs> well, I mean, it's, well, it's supposed to say because it reminds me of my terrible first marriage or it reminds me of my career change I made. Or, you know, it, it's five stories about your life. So I've done prime ministers, Oscar winners, Olympic champions. Yeah. So it's just supposed to be a, you go, I wonder how she will respond to the five of my life. I've had people choosing their own books, the books that they wrote. <laughs> I've had people that have been boring. It's not a crime to be boring. I've had people who've been funny, surprising, shocking. I've had more people, I can tell you, break down in tears. I've had, it's just a nice device yeah. rather than, nothing wrong with, Podcasts that are, I say just, that are chats, but I am dedicated to the format. Yeah, it, because it works. It does work. Yeah. It works really, really well. It's, it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's, I, it's a love thing. Yeah, and I think you're right. You get to hear things about people that you potentially would never know otherwise. Yeah, I, and I've just, I love the list. I've, I've done people, you go, how do you choose them, Nigel? Because you've had, I've just had the Deputy Prime Minister of Ireland. I've had the Prime Minister of Australia. I've had the bloke from the Chairman of Love from Love Actually. And you go, how do you choose these people? And you go, you, you know, as, as in what's the, what's the criteria? Because many podcasts are, you know, like yours, which is brilliant. They're in a lane where it's, yeah. you know, how to learn how to fly fish or how to change your career. Whereas me, it's, Could be anyone. I, just wanted, I just wanted to talk to them. Yeah. You go, that's how it's chosen. You go, so there is no. So you've got the chief rabbi and you've got you've got Liam the builder. You go, yeah, I have. The only thing is I asked them. That's brilliant. And I and you treat everybody the same. Like it's it doesn't matter who they are. We're all God's children and we're all half an hour in. We are indeed. So when you're doing your research for your podcast, because you I guess you end up spending a lot of time watching movies reading books i mean it yeah. just sounds like you're being paid to just sit around consuming stuff so, so the the truth which gosh if i could if i could make this work i'd be a very happy man is there are 5.4 million podcasts in the world and most of them are utter rubbish mm-hmm. uh, ones that aren't rubbish no one watches mm-hmm. and the ones that aren't rubbish that people do watch don't make any money now I happen at the moment to run a podcast that's good, people do listen to, and it does make money because um, we've got show sponsors and all that stuff. But there's no guarantee that that will continue and whatever else. But but if I could uh, maintain, maintain the current commercial arrangements for the podcast, well, I'm sorted. I am paid. I've, I've read 110 books that I wouldn't normally have read. Yeah, I've met 160 people that I wouldn't normally have met. I've watched all the film. It's fan, if I'm a purely, uh, th- th- take that question just as a personal thing. What could be, what could possibly be wrong that this afternoon I've got to finish David Sedaris's latest book? Yeah, I mean, there are worse things. You could be cleaning yeah, toilets. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. And you go, yeah. if you're going to pay me to do that, if you go back to my be paid a fortune to work part-time to do something I love. Yeah. Um, so, but got to live in the real world and you know the show sponsor pulls out you don't get another show sponsor now i'll still want to do the podcast mm-hmm. but then i'll have to 
hope that I get hired for more speeches. And then, you know, you know, I'm irrelevant and I'm old and no one wants to hire me to do a speech. And you go, well, my speaking is right. So you go, so there's no, there's no easy answer, but there is something. So I love the work that you do because at heart of it, it's what I deeply believe is it's about conscious choice. Yeah. It's not about Gwyneth Paltrow, get up and do yoga and drink a green smoothie. I mean, if that works for you, knock yourself out, right? It's about you're allowed to have a think. You are allowed to have a think about how you'd like to live your life. And if you're 45 and you've worked very hard and you've dealt with many of your commitments, you are allowed to say, well, I know that your view of me is I'm an accountant or a doctor or a lawyer or an advertising executive. I'm not that interested in your view of me. I'm not doing it for mummy and daddy or to keep up with the Joneses. I've got a life to live. And I'm going to be underground in 20 years time. Yeah. And I don't want to look back. I mean, seriously, if I got awful news this afternoon that it was all over for me in a week's time, I would be, you know, really pissed off because I've got things to do and people I love and I, I you know, would like to be around for another 20 years. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't regret the last 20 years. Whereas if when Fat 40 and Fired had happened, I'd gone back and run an ad agency and hadn't written the books or done the podcast or done the things I'm doing and I was told I had a week left without I don't get too serious on you I would be devastated yeah. I would be absolutely I go what what have I done what have I done I spent the last 20 years winning this account uh, buying a car I, I you know I've done big night I've got a fabulous relationship with my kids and a fabulous because of my fabulous relationship with my wife yeah. I've, 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 you know, I've been, I haven't got any money and I've, I've got no relevance and I'm not important but I, I would look back and go yeah but I'm very proud and pleased of the 20 years that I've had with all its challenges and downsides and the work that you do is really important because there will be people that you can you can help them unlock maturely not in a juvenile way unlock you are allowed and I actually think it's a duty to think about your days on this planet. Yeah. And for many people, the right answer would be sit tight, do what you're doing, don't change it and carry on for the next 30 years. And that's totally. great. Totally. totally. I think you and I were probably not dissimilar in the fact that we're extremely lucky that we were born into circumstances where we had access to education and we, I don't know, had parents that cared for us, et cetera, et cetera. And we were able to make a life for ourselves. And I think there are so many people in this world that literally don't have a choice. They have to go out and they have to, I don't know, pick up litter in the streets and resell it somewhere. I mean, you know, th this is the complete other extreme. And I think we sort of owe it to ourselves, but also to these millions and millions, probably billions of people in the world who don't have that choice. We have to and, do. And, yeah. And, and, and what this, I'm glad you raised that as an example because what some people do um got enormous respect for is they realize that they are sort of alpha females alpha males where they the notion of not striving and growing and succeeding you know, you know i'm not going to be able to do that i i i know I, I can't right so you pivot potentially some people like one of my dear friends andrew does this where you go Right, so I was trying to be 
uh, a successful CEO of a shampoo company. So mm -hmm. I'm going to get more market share for my shampoo brand than another one. Nothing wrong with that. Right? Uh, and I've done that for 20 years. I'm now going to put all those skills into trying to get clean water into a poor disadvantaged African region, for, for example, or, yeah. or, 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 you know, leukemia research or whatever else. Yeah. So all of that competitive go, go, go and, and smarts and all that can just, just be re-channeled. And in terms of the, the benefit for the world is, is, I would suggest, better than swapping shampoo brands. Uh, but the benefit for the person, you go, yes, I am working nine hours a day. I've got my victim narrative. Oh, gosh, I'm so busy. And blah, 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 right. But I'm busy at something that that matters. Yeah. And, and that there's this sort of um, <laughs> when people ask me, are you busy, Nigel? Uh, I take great delight and say, no, not not really. Right. And then actually, I have. But, but I say, oh, no, not really. And it, oh, I'm so sorry. Go, what are you sorry about? I, I'm exactly <laughs> as busy as I would like to, as I choose to. It's a I travesty some... if you're not really busy yeah. and really stressed out. <laughs> you're doing it wrong. I mean, total <laughs> arseness. You go, oh, I'm really busy. You go, you're busy because you choose to do that job that pays you a fortune. That yeah, da, da, da. You want me to think you're really clever because you're busy. Um, can we go back? We've mentioned your TED Talk quite a lot. Last question on the TED talk, I promise. If you did have to redo that talk, would it be vastly different? I don't think I'd change a word. I mean, I don't think I'd change a word. No, because because what what the message of the, I think it, I mean, am I allowed to say this because I gave it? Um, it's a good speech. It is a good it's, speech. It's, it's a great speech. If, if you if you look at it, um, which I I didn't realise someone. Wrote, I get lots of emails about it. Someone wrote to me is when I go good night or thank you, whatever I end it, the clock goes from nine fifty nine to ten. Mm -hmm. So I was given a ten minute slot, and it's <laughs> ten minutes, right. Not there's not a wasted word in it. And all I'm saying is think. And you know, I, I'm it's it's it, because it. I would say it was different if I was giving advice. As you notice, some people, I love it. I, I love the nasty comments, not just the nice ones. You go, well, how would you do that then, mate? And you go, well, I, I'm not clever enough to give, a, to give 7 million people the answer to work-life balance in 10 minutes. So you're right. It's not. And I think there's a, uh, they put it on the global site. And I, so my title was Nigel Marsh craps on for 10 minutes about some of the things he thinks. And, and, their, and their title was, how to sort work-life back, you know, whatever, the answer, right? And he goes, well, it isn't the answer. But, but if I had, if I was stupid enough and arrogant enough to think, to have done a speech that was, this is what you should do, mm. well, then it would have changed radically because of, I imagine it would change. But um, yeah, I wouldn't change any of it because it was, it was just, it's just a cry in the dark to, you know, please think, pause for a moment, you wretched weaklings, and take stock of your miserable existence. Indeed. I ask all my guests this question. What does success look like to you nowadays? Uh, well, I think to be paid and fortune in, in air bunnies, to, to work part-time doing things I love. Uh, another definition I've got, which I quite like, is to have someone you love, something to do, and something to look forward to. So I, I would, a combination of those two just things I've just said, yeah. I've got someone to love and I've got things to do and I've got things to look forward to. Both very, very lovely definitions of success, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. Last question. 
because obviously you're a podcast host and you do a lot of interviewing but I know that you are gracious enough to come on podcasts like mine which um, I haven't expressed how grateful I am so very belatedly thank you thank you very much indeed uh, yeah. so I'm curious do you prefer to be the interviewer or the interviewee? Ah, um, hmm. So my wife thinks I like crapping on about myself, which is probably true. Uh, but if you look at the the podcasts that I do, I, I was asked to do a podcast about me, you know, an hour with Nigel Marsh or whatever, and I, you know, politely said no. I'd rather kill myself. Um, I haven't got anything to say, so I, I run out of content after after a one week. Is I designed something that's all about other people and all about other people's choices. So I think the data suggests that I prefer being the the interviewer. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. You, yeah. you go. So although I, it's been it's been really nice talking to you, and, it is, and I love the fact that we met each other at the Carriage Works when I did a TED talk. Um, but no, I, I think. You know, I wouldn't want to be doing a podcast every two weeks until I die, talking about me because I'm not I'm not that interesting, right? But but be, but if I go, I've got the deputy prime minister of Ireland coming on, and I've got the bloke from Love Actually. I mean, I'm, so I am more interested in other people, even though if you push the right buttons, I will crap on about myself. <laughs> so maybe both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nigel Marsh, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. And thank you so, so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. If you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, do share it with them and subscribe now so you never miss an episode.